0: Welcome to Hope on the Rise Conversations. Uh, This is a podcast with Dr. Bob Roden. My name's Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts. This is our monthly podcast where we get to have hopeful conversations uh, with friends and uh, other influencers uh, in this podcast. Hey, Bob, do you remember 2008 Ebbets Grill with our guest?
1: I do. Stephanie Chappelle. Oh, what a, what a lady. Oh, it's so great to see you again, Steph. Great to see you. We've both. been friends for probably over 25 years. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh,
2: Very cool. Yeah. It's my joy.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's a joy to have you on the, uh, on the podcast today. The, uh, and we're gonna, we just gonna love uh, hearing from you and some mm-hmm. things that you might say about hope, but about your own mm-hmm. personal life. And, uh, i i've just uh i've just watched you and been with you in ministry and so many settings steph and uh this is a real joy today to have this opportunity uh why don't you uh why don't you just give us a kind of a reader's digest version of kind of how you guided ministry and uh and sort of where you are today and uh, so take it away
2: sure i'd love to it really is my joy to be with you both here it's uh good good day to be with friends and uh, talking about some things that are dear to our hearts as well and uh, even long before I knew that we would be having this conversation uh, on hope on the rise I I've been saying for years that um, uh, that the hope that I have came as a surprise Um, I was not raised in a in a family that was filled with faith mom and dad uh, did not walk with Jesus when I was growing up and so the only hope that mom and dad could offer to me was hope and me. And, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've run across some people in my life uh, along the way. And I, I'll ask them the question, you know, have you ever lived with hope and nothing past yourself? And I get kind of these nods like, yeah. And boy, it led me to somewhere, somewhere I didn't want to be. And that was really my story too. Hope, hope and nothing past Stephanie, uh, led me to what I found to be was really a, uh I don't know, a pit or a trap of loneliness and um, Mm. pretty deep disillusionment. And for me, paralyzing fear, that's not everybody's story, but I lived in paralyzing fear in a lot of ways uh, because I had hope and nothing past me. And um, so uh, I say all the time that the last thing I ever thought I would be when I was growing up would be a, a follower of Jesus. And that's when the hope came in, when I was a university student and uh, there was a campus ministry on my campus that was filled with students that understood that uh, their job was not to wait for me to go look for them because as a 19 year old college freshman or 18 year old college freshman i was not looking for christians i was looking for a lot of things i was not looking for christians Uh, but they came and they found me and they loved me and they prayed for me and they showed me the life of jesus through their lives and um, I, you know, the, the story of course is much longer but the Lord won me. Uh, he won my heart by my senior year of college and um, led me, uh, redirected me from my intended path of law school and into uh, back into university ministry. Uh, I just felt like I wanted to offer the hope uh, that had been offered to me when I was a university student and so for now 32 years I've had the great privilege of uh, being a part of the same university ministry that uh, God used to reach me and offering hope to university students, calling them to the arms of a very loving father who's calling their name and offering them the hope that he offered me.
1: So. So did you say 32 years?
2: Hard to believe. Wow. 32 years. I I, a... I, I joke because I, joke I don't know. I know this is going to be audio, but I've got the wrinkles you know, to go with it. But the pimples <laughs> oh, also. I don't understand uh... how on one face you know, <laughs> you can have them both. But 32 years this month is when I started working full time with our ministry. And um, I, I, I didn't know. Uh, I, I always say that when, when Jesus asked me to follow him, I didn't know where I'd be following him to. Uh, and I also didn't know when he asked me or invited me into this ministry that it would mean walking with him on university campuses for 32 years. But I think, I can't believe he picked me for this. I feel Mm -hmm. like I got spoiled.
0: Uh, well, Stephanie, uh, oh, go ahead, Bob. I was
1: going to say, I know you're doing what you love because I've I've just been with you so many that you're doing what you love. You bet. Go ahead, Peter.
0: Sure. well, Stephanie, you know, as mentioned before, uh, you met me when I was a college student in 2008 you with bet. Bob Roden and we've kept yes. in contact. I, I guess for our listeners, what would be really, really helpful um, in 32 years of dealing with college students mm-hmm. and ministering and mm-hmm. serving them, what are the kind of the timeless things that they're experiencing mm-hmm. and what's new mm-hmm. about what college students are going through in 2023?
2: Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. My my first thought is anybody going to university, stepping onto university campus with the intention of education and all the life experience, it's just, it is a practical um, expression of hope. Nobody goes to university unless they hope their lives are going to become what they want them to be. I, I went to my university campus and I had all these things in mind about what career I wanted and the friends I wanted and maybe romances or whatever. Cause you, you the whole purpose of it is to go with an intention that I am working toward my life becoming what I hope for it to be. And so that's mm. just, that, that is something that has stayed, I mean, 32, from year one to year 32 is I see that in, in students, nobody goes there thinking, I expect my life to be worse when I'm done here. <laughs> it's, I expect to my life. I expect my life to to become what I hope for. Uh, is is consistent. Um, the desire for students to be uh, seen and celebrated is consistent. Uh, the desire for students to be known is consistent. the the uh, Some of the anxieties that I see and have seen over the last maybe decade. Um, are amplified from what I saw in the earlier years. Maybe my first 20 years, I didn't see as much of the anxiety as that I see today uh, for students. And of course, there are some cultural shifts, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on them over the course of our conversation, that amplify some of those things and even perhaps distort them. Uh, Some of these things that go from being issues or um yeah issues in lives to becoming identities in lives uh maybe something i deal mm. with has become something i am and that's mm. that's different than what i saw in my early years
1: sure yeah yeah and stephanie maybe just tell us uh i know you've had a some various roles in working with college and university students but uh what what's your role now what are you currently doing
2: mm-hmm. Sure. I serve as what's called the National Program Director for a campus ministry called Chi Alpha. Uh, we are um, we're structured in, in one particular fellowship in the Assemblies of God. On campus, we have students from all kinds of backgrounds, churches, not no churches, um, people who are interested in the things of God, people who are not really sure why they're there. And, and so when it comes to being on campus, uh, we see students from all kinds of backgrounds. My role as National Program Director, Um, when we think of everything we want to see and do to see healthy ministry on campus that falls under program so that includes um, how how healthy our leadership is that includes our disciple making communities what does it mean to um, live out to timothy 2 2 where paul said the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men and women who will then also be able to teach others that's our desire that's really kind of an anchor point for us Uh, we what we want to see with uh, what we call cross-cultural missions we we believe that God's heart is in the shape of a globe, and God wants to mm. reshape our hearts into the shape of His heart, which is the shape of a globe. We want our students to understand that there is a great big world out there. Now, the students today understand that they're more globally connected, but it's um you don't have your heart reshaped to God's heart by uh, what you experience on social media or online. You have it in community. And in information where you're able to see see hear and serve those around the world uh, and then the last thing we have is Holy Spirit empowerment that's our, our our fourth puzzle piece there we really believe the Holy Spirit he he is here he is active he has something for us and we want our students to develop a relationship with the Spirit of God so that they live empowered and encouraged so all of that falls in in under the team that I have the privilege of leading. And, um, yeah, it's a joy. It's a big, big task. But if it was, uh, if it was small, we wouldn't need God. <laughs> we need him every day. That's true.
1: Yeah. Uh, how many, how many students would maybe be in the whole Chi Alpha program? Just approximately, mm-hmm. how many students are you all, um, responsible part at this point or our sure. surety guys should say
2: sure absolutely they're right around about seventeen thousand uh across the nation wow. right now we like every campus ministry like probably almost every church uh, saw a, an effect through the covid uh years it was really boy it was something uh in march of 2020 when um, the first university the first one that i had heard that closed its doors was stanford university um, it may not have been the actual first one, but the first one that I got news was was Stanford, and then it was like it was like you could just hear gate shutting after gate shutting after gate shutting after gate shutting over the course of about forty eight hours when the majority of campuses that we are on uh, and majority of campuses around the nation closed, and we just kept having, asking the questions: How do you reach a mission field when you're not allowed on, and your mission field isn't there anymore because so many students left? How how do you how do you maintain? A missionary presence when there is no mission field. And so we had been higher in terms of number pre-COVID. We honestly were we're thankful. We did not, by the next year, we did not see a drop that we anticipated in terms of numbers. And each year since we've seen a a bit of an incline, uh, which tells us that we're getting a little bit more back to normal.
1: I want to ask a question that uh, I'm sure that this comes up in your uh, discussions with students mm-hmm. in the in the paper here at in Richmond yesterday, it was announced that to go to the University of Richmond,
0: mm-hmm.
1: tuition, room and board, seventy nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year.
2: I believe it. That's got
1: to create mm-hmm. some anxiety for students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. it, Uh when they talk about costs and student mm-hmm. I mean, student debt is a huge discussion, of course, in our country right yes. now. But uh, yes. How, how do you all how do as as a as a follower of jesus and mm-hmm. and talking about the hope that he brings to us in our in the forgiveness mm-hmm. of our sins but how how do mm-hmm. you talk to the to students about about this whole economic piece that's got to be a challenge
2: sure well, let me let me start by saying this is we're we're really following these trends we're we're keeping our eyes on these trends because more and more. High school students are taking university classes toward the end of their high school career, which means they're coming into the university with more credits, which means they graduate sooner than they used to. So one of the questions we're asking is how do we effectively reach and disciple university students when we have them for much less time than we than we did even mm-hmm. a decade ago? So we're where ideally a student comes in as a first-year or freshman student, and we have the privilege of reaching out to them, hopefully either leading them to christ or early on or seeing the ones who already know jesus come get connected and then we have potentially three and a half to four years for the process of discipleship uh, helping them really dig deep into their own faith either find faith in jesus or dig deep into their own faith and then develop grow grow deeper in the word grow deeper in community learn leadership skills become a small group leader et cetera, et cetera. where we used to have sometimes three and a half plus years we're we're happy now if we have two because they're leaving so quickly so we're really needing to recalibrate how do we you, you can't accelerate the discipleship process because as a friend of mine says it's not a factory it's a garden you can't rush mm. a garden yes but what do we do how do we how do we do what Jesus has asked us to do and, and be disciples and, and make disciples when we have people for less time? So that's I'm going to start there and then say, as we then have that time with them, we're having to have conversations about a whole lot of things, not just what their devotional life is about, but how do they navigate the economic realities as a an emerging adult in this world? So it feels a little bit more crunched. <laughs> But even with some of the, the economic realities around them, um, we are seeing students in a, in a lot of cases have to work more, which again, pulls away from their opportunity to be connected in community. So we're having to navigate some of that. But then we, we also have to um, help young adults, college students understand lordship issues, even as it pertains to their finances. So, that part's not new, it's just the application of that. Okay, Jesus is Lord of your finances. If Jesus is Lord, then he is Lord of your mm. finances. If mm. Jesus is Lord, how are you going to live that out? What does that mean for how you spend, how you give, how you save, uh, what debt you take on? Um, and then that, that's kind of a microcosm or personal way to approach it, but then the macrocosm is what is Jesus asking of us in this economic climate um, with, you know, and and where is our hope? Is Jesus really, uh, again, if he's Lord, then he is Lord over all these issues, even in these hard, hard times. Even when you think about, most students aren't thinking about a mortgage. They're not thinking about buying a house, but it's not gonna be long before they will, because by the time they graduate, they're gonna start thinking about, uh, am I gonna buy a house? What are mortgage rates and all those things? And so if we can help them if we can help them trust in and rest in the lordship of jesus when they're thinking about their student loans that will help them about larger life issues as well so i kind of hit i kind of hit microcosm and macrocosm in there
1: so good so uh let's say that uh, there's a parent or a grandparent listening today and uh and sally or john has you know enrolled in the university Mm -hmm. how how do you connect with them i mean how do you Mm -hmm. connect with a A student when they come on campus, what do Mm -hmm. what do you do to reach out to them, or what opportunities and uh, do you have to connect with them?
2: Sure, this this is where we really do lean on on the fact that we are, um, I want to say a student led ministry. We have missionary staff all over the country. We have about fifteen hundred, almost fifteen hundred missionary missionaries, interns, and volunteers. But this is where the students, this our job in this kind of role is to help the students, a part of our ministry, connect in with their friends on campus or their people who will soon be friends. Um, and and this is this is where the peer-to-peer thing comes in. When you have a, a young person who goes away to school for the first time and they're sitting by themselves alone or they're wondering, man, can I really make some friends? You know, on and on. Um, it's the the students who are part of our ministry who are the ones that are going to reflect that that expression of Jesus's love and the expression of friendship in a way that the missionary staff can't. And, and that was really true in my own life. It was this Chi Alpha student who was the resident assistant in my freshman hall, who was the first expression of Jesus's love to me. He had gone through and he had prayed over every one of us before we ever stepped foot on campus. So literally before my first day, someone from Chi Alpha called my name to Jesus, someone from Chi Alpha
1: If I can say it this
2: way, reminded Jesus (laughs) about me in prayer, called my name to Jesus. And out of that relationship, uh, his to Jesus and then his to me, that's what connected me ultimately to Jesus. It was obviously more more people, more time involved. But I remember sitting with that uh, young man, just sitting in his room. He would keep his door open and invite us in at different times. And I remember sitting with him and he said, you know, Stephanie, one day I will see Jesus face to face. And I don't know why. I don't know why that stuck with me. That was, it must have been the fall of 86, maybe the spring of 87. That was my freshman year. I've heard a trillion words probably since that time. But those words stuck. It was I think Gordon McDonald, who said, there are times when, when words enter our hearts and thrive there, Dennis's words, my RA's words entered my heart and they thrived there. And even years later, even before I knew Jesus, those words entered, there was something about his words that made me believe that was true. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I knew that what he said was true. I knew that one day he would see Jesus face to face. And so back to your question it's it's those kinds of moments from the students who are part of our ministry loving the students who are not yet a part of our ministry Um, and a lot of that happens under the guidance of our missionary staff and the mentors who are walking with the students who are part of chi alpha but it's those moments uh, those moments fast forward a number of years i i don't exactly know why but that young man dennis did die early. He, he died, I want to say maybe in his forties. I can't remember exactly how old he was, but I do remember after getting word that he had passed away. I remember thinking his, his, his hope was fulfilled. His Mm. wish was, his dream was fulfilled. He is seeing Jesus
0: face to face.
1: Wow. Mm. That is so powerful. Oh, that's definitely,
0: that's super powerful. Um, You know, and just, you're kind of a poster child, for the accidental missionary, Mm -hmm. um, college campus uh, missionary. So something I wanna come back to that you said, and I love how Bob brought up finances, because we don't Mm -hmm. talk about that, and that's kind Mm -hmm. of a scary thing. But you had talked about finding hope in yourself and kind of getting to the end of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so here, a lot of our listeners probably have heard about deconstruction, all the Mm -hmm. doubts about Christianity and it just from the way that you're talking even though it's compressed to maybe instead of three and a half years to two years Mm -hmm. like tell us why there's this beautiful opportunity for these safe conversations Mm -hmm. about faith and what can the church learn from college campuses about Mm -hmm. these spiritual conversations that sometimes feel so uncomfortable
2: Mm, that's such a great question there are a couple thoughts uh, that initially come to mind there really is something about presence that's what is unique about the university campus is that people are together all the time you you go to school together you eat together you live perhaps in the same hall together it it is unique but i and and it's not necessarily something that's transferable into later years of life however there are principles i think we can learn from it and that first one is presence i so at 43 number of years ago, I, at 43, the Lord nudged me to move back into a, a residence hall, and I served as a chaplain in one of the residence halls on a campus in Washington D.C. And the passage that the Lord used was, um, uh, "The Word became flesh and dwelt among them." But it was I love how it's written in the message, and it was in the message that I felt like the Lord nudged me, and it said, "The Word." Um, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Mm. And so I felt like that's what the Lord was asking me to do. I was on a campus where, uh, or in a position where I was a little bit more limited in terms of what I could do and say than I was in my regular campus ministry life. So I just had to be be respectful, honor the position I was in, but also knew that the Lord would open doors uh, and that there would be something about my presence in that building. Um, I just move into the neighborhood, (laughs) I figured move into the residence hall. And there were moments that I could not have scripted even on my best day with all the creativity and inspiration in the world. There were moments that I, that happened that I just thought it was just because I was here. It was just because I was present just because I, I was, they, they knew that, They could come talk to me so I have to wonder if we can't also live that out in other contexts Mm. Um, if if there isn't something now this sounds funny but I just saw a uh, oh something come across Instagram the other day that said something about mr. Rogers and uh, had a picture of mr. Rogers and it said something about just greeting your neighbors increases your overall well-being and mental health kind of thing just just that connection and I thought, well, why don't we do that more often? I think the world would be a little bit happier, happier of a place if, if we were just greeting each other, going and make, just making sure we we're making those connections. Again, that's just a little picture of presence, just being in people's lives. So back to your question, Peter, uh, what we can learn from something like that. I think we can take those principles and live them out in other contexts. Do people go to their jobs day in and day out because they go in to work or do they go in to live out that John passage? Uh, you know, the word became flesh, moved into the neighborhood, or the word became flesh and dwelt among them. Could it be something like the word became flesh, and had that position at the bank,
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. and,
2: and viewed their, their roles that way instead of just as part of their, their career or profession or just a way to make money or pay the bills. Could we figuratively move into the neighborhood? Um, I think the other thing, and really, I, as I touched on earlier, we, we can't rush formation. I think that is a challenge that we have in our culture here in the U.S., I've never lived in other places around the world. I visited a number of company company, number of countries in different parts of the world. So I have little tiny taste of, of different, um, cultures. I, I spent probably a collectively month, a little over a month, <clears throat> pardon me in, in North Africa where people sit long at cafes and interact with the, the community. Um, mm. it's, wow, that not a bad way to go just there's something about that. So again, could we take those moments and say um, could part of our formation come from the sitting long in a very fast world? Mm. This sounds funny, but I was in a yeah. German restaurant once that uh, they had a big sign that says sit long, eat much, laugh often. And I've got the eat much thing down. <laughs> I'm still learning <laughs> still learning the sit long and and laugh laugh much or laugh often, but I do wonder if as we consider what it means to do ministry among university students who we have for less time, could we make every moment a little bit richer? Could we sit a little longer, Mm. um, with them? Uh, even, Uh, even if we have a shortened time with them,
1: you know, I, I remember Stephanie when you moved into that dormitory, I, Mm -hmm. I well remember that that was a, what a, what a pivotal moment for you. And, uh, yeah, you know, before we run out of time here, I, I want to ask you two quick questions. that sort of sure. combine them. Um, I, I want you to comment on, number one, being single mm-hmm. and being in ministry, yes. and number two, mm-hmm. being a lady and being mm-hmm. in ministry. I mm-hmm. we don't have time, I know, to have a lot of discussion, but sure. I think just uh, just your your own perspective. You 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 portray and represent such health to people, and the way you have. Ministry, so I'd just love to hear you comment on that.
2: Do I'm so sorry, it, it cut off for a second. You said I portrayed something, and then I yeah, I, I lost I said, you,
0: and, yeah. and I was Here, so
2: on. excited hold, to see. <laughs> hold
0: on, go. So go so Bob, what we're gonna do? Uh, sometimes when the technology does it, we're just gonna pause, and then okay. start over, um, and then hopefully uh, I know Dan can edit it out. So just. Follow my fingers and then
1: you know, Stephanie, I just want to ask a, a couple of questions before we run out of time here. Because you you as a single person and as a woman, you you represent uh, the face of someone who's comfortable in yourself. You have uh, you have helped so many people understand this. And I want you just to take a few moments. We don't have time for a Uh, a lot a lot here but you've said give us a couple of of sound bites about being single and being a woman in ministry
2: sure thanks for asking that yes i'm i feel like the lord was kind to me to win me and woo me in and in into a uh, church fellowship that was really affirming of women in in roles of leadership i will always be grateful to the Lord for that, and I'll always be grateful to my larger fellowship for being so affirming of women in ministry and in in all positions of leadership. I, I don't know what it's like to be anything but uh, single and a, a female, so I, I've just lived, I think I've lived authentically who I am, who Jesus has made me to be. I know that not everybody has um, as many good stories as I do um, with this, but I have been so encouraged as a woman in leadership. I think some of my gifts that the Lord has given me allow me to be in places that um, I'm just, I'm, I find myself in a, around a lot of tables where I'm the only woman. And I think the Lord has gifted me in certain ways in that. And so that's that's been uh, just a delight to be a part of. I also have felt, I've, I've never felt specifically like my role was to uh, open the door just for women. I want to open the door for anybody following. Uh, in terms of my age, I want, I want, I want to raise people up. I want them to shine. I hope they do so much better than I do. <laughs> that just means that they they've taken things farther. But the Lord did nudge me a handful of years ago and said, just make sure you're you're just paying attention so that you are making a way for some of the young women who maybe have not had the opportunities you've had. So I've been intentional yes. about that. I started a cohort. About five years ago, that uh, we, I, when I first, I pulled eight young women leaders together and said, "Let's meet for six or eight months." It's been five years because we can't seem to quit being together because we love it so much and we're so encouraged. But I've been given a lot, and so I feel that sense of responsibility to give that to the generation that follows me, and um, it's been a joy. I, I'm really thankful that I've been birthed in faith in this fellowship uh, to do this as far as being single um you know i I tell you when i was growing up what i didn't have in mind was was that i'd be my age and single single all my life i wanted to be married um, almost got married at one point just that was just didn't turn out to be what i thought it was gonna the direction didn't seem to be going the way i thought it should or that i thought that the lord had so we we um, recalibrated that decision that's a good way of saying that and um, so I've only ever been single. There are days when I, there have been days over the years it's been really, really hard. But I find myself or found myself saying to the Lord, where else would I go? Um, the else is a really pivotal word. It's not like where else would I go? I have nowhere to go. It's where else would I go? Going to you is, is first. It's it's I'm I'm going somewhere. I'm going to you, Jesus. Where else would I go? Well, nothing else measures up to this. And so that's been... That's kept me really well. Um, I, I remember talking to someone once at a at a meeting who said, "Oh, you're single." She's, "I bet you just so I bet you just love having that all that extra time to uh, serve the Lord." And I said, "I said, yeah, but also it's really lonely." And she s- didn't know quite what to do with my honesty. Um, I just found that living honestly with that is the healthiest for me emotionally and spiritually. Uh, and then I am surrounded by people who love me very well, who've welcomed me into their homes, welcomed me into their families. Um, I have been blessed. I This sounds funny, but and I know the audio can't see it, right behind me is the picture of an elephant. And I have that because I've heard that female elephants, if there is one in their herd in distress, they will circle around that one with their backs to it to keep their eyes out so that no predators could come. And if a predator comes, they make quite a stink. They stomp and they get—they just start stomping away to to create a distraction to protect the one in need. And I have had friends who have encircled me and have stomped their feet, oh. to <laughs> for my protection. And again, I will be forever, forever grateful.
1: You know, this is a conversation that could go on for a long time. I think our mm-hmm. and I think our listeners uh, are ca- mm-hmm. capturing that as well. We're going to wind up here and. Uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Uh, Peter, any final thing you want to say before I have a prayer and then uh, have you close us out?
0: Sure. Um, you know, Stephanie, you, um, you've you been such an encouragement to my life. And um, I know that, Bob, you know, we I, I don't use this word lightly. We cherish you. Um, I, I guess the last question about hope before Bob closes in prayer, um, you know, based on what you just said about being single and being a woman— what hope would you give the church because there's so many individuals that you know they're focusing on career they're not getting married as soon we're seeing women rise to level in workplaces um there's constant conversations going on what would you say to our listeners about the hope of jesus in this context kind of out of your personal life about that
2: oh that's a great question peter i i think Jesus, if I could say it this way, Jesus has hopeful eyes when he looks at the people that he wants to use for his kingdom. Uh, He, he looks, he, he sees us. He sees us through and through. He sees the good, the bad, the ugly, and all of it. But I, I think it would be fair to say he has hopeful eyes over us. And so as I think about some of the, some of the ones that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise thought would be in the center of God's hopeful eyes for being useful for his kingdom. I think we're going to find, I think we're going to find that he has something in mind with them. I, like I said before, the last thing I thought I would be, would be a follower of Jesus, much less uh, a woman in ministry, much less a single woman in ministry, much less holding uh, a position of leadership in our ministry organization that, I mean, I, I, I joke that I used to run from this ministry that I now help run, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I feel like I'm the least likely candidate. And I think there are a lot of other least likely candidates out there, uh, because of where a lot of young adults and current teens are headed. What I see in them, I see in them a lot of the raw ingredients that could be used beautifully for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, I think some of those raw ingredients are misdirected. Some of the activism, some of the things—I I think it's misdirected now, but I don't doubt Jesus's ability to redirect. And those ones that we look at now and think, "Oh my goodness, what are what are they peddling? What are what are the lies they're peddling or the lies they're believing?" I don't doubt Jesus's ability to put his finger on them, draw him, them in with his arm, and then send them out um, to be part of what he uses to advance his kingdom. I, I really, I don't, I, I don't have a problem seeing Jesus doing that. I know nobody here does, but that's, that's, that's my hope. Uh, he looks at them with hopeful eyes so I can look at him with hopeful eyes as he looks at them with hopeful eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to close this out in a prayer here. And I, I know this, uh, this podcast is going to be so helpful mm-hmm. to so mm-hmm. many people. So, uh, I'm going to pray and then I'll flip it back to you, Peter, for the closing. Okay? All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Lord, for this beautiful opportunity today Mm -hmm. to have conversation with Stephanie. Thank you, Lord, that you have called her and placed your mighty anointing upon her life Mm -hmm. to do what you have before the world's ever began, what you designed for her to do. Thank you that Mm -hmm. she stepped into that. I pray today for any people who are listening to us, who have been wrestling with what they what they feel like God wants them to do. Help them today to take that that first step in, into a new journey for what you have for them. And I thank you today, Lord, that we can trust you. We can trust you completely. Thank you for the hope that we have in you when we place our lives in your hands. So now I pray, oh God, today that that you would take places in people's life that that could be quicksand. And would you turn it into concrete so they could walk on it and feel firm in you? Thank you that you're the kind of God who does that for us. And would you take places that that may feel like they are, are so filled with fear and not having hope? Would you replace it with your divine hope and your divine care for them? And we'll thank you for today. We thank you, O God, for these moments together now. Bless Stephanie, we pray, and bless the ministry that she represents. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.
0: Amen. Bob, thank you so much for that prayer. If you want to find out more about Stephanie, it's Stephanie with an F instead of a PH and it's Chappelle (laughs) with a C. Go to her website, subscribe to her email so you can pray and support her. We would love for you to support Hope on the Rise. You can go to BobRodin.com. I'd encourage you to share this episode with a friend, a parent, a grandparent, a college student. We think they'll get a lot out of it. Till next time, we'll see you again on Hope on the Rise Conversations.
2: Thank you, friends. Thank you so much. (laughs)